Hey everybody, this is Tanya Ringelstaff. Listen, I've been really blessed by a certain podcast. The name of this podcast is called The Mix Bus Podcast. And let me just tell you, it is a blessing. So everybody come on aboard. We're going on the mix bus. Welcome, everybody, you audio heads, you producers, musician right. crazies. Come on, come oh, on. Oh, my goodness. Mark, <laughs> how you doing today? I'm doing great, man. You I'm, look fantastic. Well, you're just lovely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, welcome, everybody, to the Mix Bus Podcast. Yep. Um, we have a beautiful, fantastic, awesome, amazing show for you today. A uh, really cool guest by the name of Tom Hemby. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so we're going to get to him in just a moment. But uh, in the meantime, let's talk about a few things. All right. Let's talk. Um, we can agree that Slate plugins are fantastic. Oh, yeah. I think, right? Yep. Use them all the time. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. Any idea when um, Steven Slate Drums 5 is coming out? Maybe 2020. I don't know. Um, I gosh, thought I saw 2018 yeah, like last year. I thought so. I mean, I was ready to buy it like about six months ago, you know, and now what is that? I mean, I love four, but I'm just, um, yeah, I'm biting at the bit here. Yeah, me too. So, Steven, too. if you're listening, please, um, you know, I love you, but hurry up. We're sure, we're don't, sure it's great, you know, so yeah. go ahead and go ahead and release it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see, what else? Uh, oh, you know what? Um, I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, you told me uh, recently you were going to see the Meg. Yes. With Jason yes. Statham. Oh yes. yes. So okay, impressions. Okay, I didn't. You know, obviously you're, you're hoping it's not going to be like you know Sharknado or whatever, and it's sure. not going to be Jaws, obviously. But mm-hmm. but I think it was one of the best feel good shark movies. If you can have a feel-good shark movie, I think it was one of the best that I have have ever been to see. I mean, you know, it was okay. Honestly, com- compare it like okay, we've had a few summers of this, so right, like right. the shallows and nah. 40, forty-seven meters down was that yeah, what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better than that? No, yeah, much better than those. Okay, um, yeah. I mean, 
the I thought the plot was really good. You know, I mean, 47 meters down, I was expecting all this stuff. And I don't want to slam a movie, but I mean, you know, you go there and, and within about five minutes, I'm going, okay. I, know I just felt happen. like I was stuck in a cage in that movie. I did too. I did too. On the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, I did too. And 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 it wasn't a good feeling, you know. No, I didn't like it. But but this really, I mean, man, it was just, you know, the drama, the plot was good, the the acting was good. You could tell they had a good budget to do it. Okay. So, it wasn't like, you know, obviously you're not going to see some epic jaws thing like I said, but But, but a fun summer movie. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so okay, let, let's 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 dive a little deeper here. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, the megalodon. Yes. Does he or she possibly still exist? Well, I don't know. You got to go through that layer, you know, down at the bottom to find out. But it's pretty um, deep down it, there. It is. It is. But you know, I I, you know, I get kind of scared down there. <laughs> 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 but just think about this. Okay, so. And, and, and this is something I want to see in my lifetime. I want to go uh, cage diving at some point. I want to see a great white shark do you really? at my face. Wow. Okay. I, I, I don't, but I do. Okay. I feel like I've kind of got to. Okay. Okay. So those suckers get, what, upwards of 18, 20 feet? Yeah. Something that's like huge. That. Right, right. That's huge. Yeah. So you're talking about a shark that's like three times that. Sure. I mean, what? what I mean, what is that? There's. I mean, I, I can't even... I, no, I mean, I don't even understand something like that. Not at all. I mean, I, I get that Jason Statham could use martial arts on a shark oh, like yeah, that and yeah, beat him sure, up. Sure, I get yeah, it. I yeah. mean, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, that's a cool... You know, uh, what was it? Shark Week a few years ago did that whole thing with the Megalodon. Do you remember that? I do. Um, I don't, a, there was a lot of discussion and like criticism of that. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, I don't really remember like a whole lot about it, but I do remember that they did it. Um, and I mean, we don't have any eyewitness accounts of seeing a megalodon. I don't believe so. No. Yeah, I mean, I know science and 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 the biologists and everybody are like, sure. nah, they sure. nah. But, but anyway. you know, I mean, so much of ocean life is just not. You know, we haven't discovered it. Anyway. That's true. So, I mean, you know what? I mean, it's it's possible. That's I, true. I would say it's definitely possible. Do you think Stephen Slate drums five? is you know down in the ocean somewhere is that what's happening probably so it probably got caught down there with the megalodon and and uh, i'm sorry i'll yeah, get off that. i know i know i know yeah okay um so everybody remember you can uh, always email us at info at the mix bus podcast dot com you can ask us questions you can give us criticisms if you like but be nice that's right. all we ask is just to be nice just raise your hand until you're that's not. right that's right yeah um but we'd love to uh read your question on on the air if you have anything um you, you know not related to really the megalodon but studio life musicianship <laughs> um, yeah all those kind of things um we'd love to talk to you right but um without further ado we're going to go ahead and uh talk with Mr. Tom Hemby. Tom, and I want to read this bio because he is just, I've, I've looked up to Tom for many, many years. He's just an amazing guitarist, musician, producer, writer. I mean, he, um, oh, yeah. he, is, he has toured with the Imperials, uh, Amy Grant, Ben Skill. He's played with Glenn Campbell, Kenny Loggins. He has four Dove Awards, one Grammy. He has several solo records, including Chasing the Wind, in the moment and uh, an acoustic Christmas. Mm-hmm. Great. So um, you are got you guys are really going to enjoy uh, Tom's perspective. He's just a he's an awesome dude. So without further ado, let's talk to Tom Hemby. Welcome to the welcome to the podcast, man. Welcome to the mix. Bus. Yeah, glad you're here. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, so we're just we're excited to to get to just kind of chat. I've known Tom for gosh how long now? Probably close to thirty years, if we want to admit it. But Man. Um, but uh, we've time do fly. And I tell you what, it does. Uh, <laughs> we've we've covered a lot of ground. So. Um, uh, so man, just, um, tell, you know, I guess tell folks just kind of a little bit about what was it that really kind of turned you on to music in the first place? And then we'll kind of talk about the professional aspect, but really kind of what was it that really got you lit up for it in the first place? You know, I kind of, um, sunk my teeth into it when I was about seven years old. My father, he had a little tenor banjo and he had a tune like a mandolin. Uh-huh. And he showed me a few chords on it, and I just remember for about a week, I just sat in my bedroom and just hammered that thing and those chords that he showed me. And just and uh, he realized really quick that uh, I was into it. So he uh, immediately bought me a little mandolin, okay. you know, something right. a little better. And, and instead of a banjo, like a mandolin. Right. And, you know, I started out doing that. And I just, you know, I, from an early age, I just was obsessed with music. I mean, I just I just loved it, you know. What and, were you listening to at that point, really, <clears throat> as far as radio stuff? You know what? At that point, I, at seven years old, I wasn't listening to the radio. I was okay. just listening to what my father was playing in the living room. Yeah. Know, he was oh, yeah. playing and stuff, yeah. and he was just showing me things. Yeah. And, uh you know, it'd be anything from, it, well, he was a country music fan and, okay. and bluegrass. So it, it could have been, it could have been anything from Bill Monroe to Hank Williams Jr. at that, or not Hank Williams Jr., but Hank Williams Sr. at that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I just, just had a roots in, uh, you know, kind of the country music thing. And then, uh, of course, <clears throat> my mother later on is we, uh, moved, that was, I was living in St. Louis at the time uh-huh. that, uh, that when I was seven years old, we moved back to Southern Missouri, which I, which I uh, was originally, originally from. Okay. And uh, so uh, got really involved in church and then the, the whole church music thing came into play. So now did you have like a family band or anything like that? Well, we didn't really per se, as far as just, you know, traveling or anything like that. We, but when I was a kid uh, coming from a huge family, by the way, of, um, I have actually 65 first cousins, believe it or not. Jeez. Whoa, <laughs> incredible! <laughs> and and a lot of musical talent in the family, oh, so man. it was it was very commonplace for us to get together on weekends and things, and uh, at somebody's house, and just sit around and play. You know, somebody sing a song, and everybody just kind of join in. You know, it was such a great time. That sounds a like kid, a blast. So. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you um, <clears throat> now you you played mandolin for a good while then as a kid? When did you gravitate to the guitar then? Well, one day, I actually heard a recording of what I thought was two guitar players. Okay. And uh, then I realized it was one guy, and uh, it was Chet Atkins. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh, how in the world does he do that? <laughs> That's and what I everybody thinks totally, when they hear Chet. Yeah. yeah. I became totally obsessed with learning to play like Chet. And that oh, was. Wow. Yeah, now and that started probably when I was mm, maybe ten or eleven years old. So, okay, okay. and uh, but I would sit for hours and uh, drop the needle on my mom and dad's a monophonic Motorola on a Chet record and right? just sit there and try right. to pick things out, you know. Now around this time, yeah. did you, did you hop into lessons or anything like that? Mm. You know, I grew up in a rural part of Missouri, 
there was really no guitar instructor no guitar, around yeah. there. I understand. And uh, <clears throat> the best guitar instructor I had was my dad <clears throat> and my ear. So hey, awesome. You know, awesome. So I just, uh, you know, I taught myself, you know, everything when I was a kid, you know, as mm -hmm. far as learning to play guitar. I just, I, I envy kids these days that uh, have YouTube and all these things they can uh, turn to and, and uh, you know, instantly learn and right, see. Right. And I just had to guess, you know, about yeah. Yeah, fingering oh, sure, positions sure, sure. and what string would he play that note mm -hmm. on and that kind of thing. And it was a lot of uh, painstaking uh, trial and error. So yeah. <laughs> it's crazy the resources that are available. Today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I just think, man, if I'd had that when I was a kid, I might have been a really good player someday. <laughs> I think you turned out just fine. Did all right. So did, um, now, as far as then learning those kind of things, as far as maybe like the bluegrass influence, the country influence, that kind of thing, when did it mm -hmm. turn to more of like a, a rock kind of pop thing? Um, you know, uh, of course, all kids uh, – in my age at that time, when the Beatles came along, okay. uh, okay. kind of kind of turned your ear. But I wasn't so much pulled into that then as I was later. Uh -huh. um, you know, I was still digging on the finger style guitar thing. Oh, sure, with, yeah. with yeah. you know Chet Atkins and yeah. Jerry Reed, yeah. Was huge, yeah, you know, influence as well. But I tell you, one day when it turned for me was when I heard <clears throat> this crazy tune. Uh, by Chicago called 25 or 64. Yeah, I must've been like, know that. must've been like 14 years old or something like that. Okay, and I'm okay. like, what, that is the best rock tone I have ever heard on a guitar. <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. everything up to that point to me was just like kind of twangy and, right, and right. nasally. And, right. and I'm like, I was always into, you know, nice thick tones. That's mm -hmm. what I loved about Chet's playing. You mm -hmm. know, his electric mm -hmm. guitar stuff was always Real so warm. big and thick yeah. and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, warm. Yeah. And then when I heard Terry Kath in Chicago. Oh yeah. And I mean it was it was crazy rock tone guitar, but sure. it was so thick and sounded so cool. I'm like Yeah. I was instantly pulled into that. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then between that and just, you know, I gravitated toward listening pop radio all the time. Okay, yeah. And, yeah. you know, it, then it became a combination of, you know, the late 60s R&B. Right. You know, Marvin Gaye and people right. like that. Oh, it, yeah. just, it, just, it just snowballed for me, my interest in all kinds of music, you know. Right. Just like I have such an eclectic background now of, so around, of interest of music. So. Yeah. So around, okay, we're in the later part of the 60s, early 70s. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of bands did you pick up some gigs with different bands at that time? You know, of course, I actually grew up playing in the church uh -huh. and yeah. uh, and kind of learned to play live by playing in church. Uh -huh. you know? yeah. and, and then uh, when I was about uh, 14, 15 years old, there was a... Um, there was a group of young guys that came and sang in my church and these, these guys, uh, there's name were, were Baxter, the Baxter brothers, which okay. they live in Hendersonville, Tennessee now huh. been friends of mine for many years. And they had a singing family and they sang at my church one time. And these guys were all around my age. And so I was playing guitar at church. They heard me and, and they had me to sit in with them that night. And then it, that developed into a long term friendship. And I, tra I traveled with those guys when I was a kid, they, Worked on weekends, you know, had a oh, bus, we yeah. traveled and stuff. Yeah. And so that's cool. I kind of got into the, you know, that form of contemporary gospel music sure. at the time. Sure. 
And, uh, but then from there, uh, in my teenage, later teenage years and early college years, I uh, played in uh, a band, uh, kind of put together some guys locally and, and it, we were covering a lot of Chicago and Santana and yeah, just, nice. yeah, yeah. you know, all those kind of things and started playing some, uh, dances for proms and, right. you know, so the typical thing that mm-hmm. you do is when you're when you're learning to play and and uh trying to did, did you make have a living in, at it uh, did you have in mind at that point that you could see this as like a, a a real true career path as far as a profession well you know i didn't really know i would hope that it would be yeah and i had no idea about how to even make that happen i just loved music so much that i just you know i, I just remember as a kid that uh I, I guess this was a blessing in a way to grow up in a real part of Missouri where we only had two TV stations. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I sat, you know, for hours in the summertime when I was in a school, I, w- I would get up in the morning, I would play guitar till noon. Mm-hmm. I would eat lunch, play guitar all afternoon, play, you know, play the summertime, then sure. play the bedtime. Yeah. You know, I just oh, played yeah. constantly. Sure. I, I was a, totally obsessed with it, you know? So there wasn't the, all the distractions of, multi-channels or video true. games yep. and, yeah. and you know all the things that kids have today that uh you were in the attention and yeah. yeah 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 so uh, uh i feel fortunate in that way that uh i um maybe maybe it didn't have access to that much of an outside world so to speak <laughs> yeah. that that uh, uh just kept my interest in music uh, going all the time by just doing it so now during that time um for us gear nerds what were you playing you know my my first guitar now oh my gosh i wish i had this guitar now <laughs> my uh my, i remember how this happened i was playing my dad's acoustic guitar trying to learn these chat tunes you know and one day i was sitting there uh trying to pick apart this difficult uh chet atkins song on a record and, and he said i'll tell you what if you learn to play that song, I'll buy you an electric guitar. So, <laughs> oh man! So that was on a Tuesday, and by Friday he had to buy me an electric guitar. <laughs> That's a good deal. <laughs> so my first guitar actually ended up being, you know, of course I wanted a nice, you know, Gretsch country gentleman. Oh yeah, jet, like right. but that just, but didn't even know where to get one of those at the time. Sure, so, sure. Uh, but. Uh, uh, the first guitar we went to a local music store and and i ended up with an sg okay gibson well, sg nice. yeah and this thing is actually uh identical to the one that angus young plays oh so. my gosh okay. <laughs> and uh it was it was probably about the same year it was a 66, 66 as i recall okay. so yeah. yeah and i'm like man uh, would love to have that guitar back. Sure, I'll <laughs> <win you. laughs> yeah. but i had that guitar for about a year or maybe well, maybe close to two years, and then my um, my parents uh, the neck got a slight bow in it. It was okay. difficult to play. Of course, yeah. we didn't know anything about truss rods or anything yeah. and adjusting yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So they just traded in and bought me a, a three thirty five. So oh, three thirty five. Oh, nice. Yeah. Gosh. So nice little upgrade. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, do you you still have the three thirty five? I do not have. I, that one you have uh, one though right yeah, you, yeah. I, I have a 355 1959 oh yeah i've uh, seen you play that one that's awesome. yeah. is that the red and one that is that red one yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that thing sounds amazing the 335 i had was a red guitar too but okay this actually this 355 is a much better guitar than that 335 that i had wow 
335 uh, had a really narrow neck, which I didn't know any better at the time, sure. you know. Sure. But uh, this uh, this 355 has a little little bit wider uh, neck, you know, which is more conducive to my hand structure and stuff. And and uh, it, it, there's something about that guitar that when I play it, I can just do things on that guitar that I can't seem to do that easily on other guitars you know right, so right. it's a guitar that inspires right yeah yeah absolutely when you pick it up you just want to keep playing sure so that's sure nice it's always a sign of a great instrument um let's let's jump ahead just a touch because well, i mean we could we, I, we could stay in this vein all day but i mean I, yeah but <laughs> let's let's go ahead to the point where you where you knew okay i'm doing this i am i'm i'm now this is this is what i'm doing what was your first um pro gig as far as a money-making steady money-making gig well uh there was a lot of um one-off things that i did okay. you know just okay. with bands and things but sure. i had you know i actually the uh the brothers i mentioned to you the Baxter uh -huh. brothers yeah. i ended up following those guys they moved up to central illinois okay. and i had moved up there and uh was working with those guys and in the meantime I got involved. There was a local studio over in Pekin, Illinois, okay. and uh, it was called Golden Boy Studios. Now, this was this was a very legit play. I mean, it was a great studio, a state of the art thing at the time. Had an API, you know, oh, yeah. console, okay. yeah. and yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. this Jerry Milam, uh, Milan Audio. He he built this whole yep. thing, uh -huh. and uh, but there was there was groups like Sticks and Head East oh, wow. and yeah. Joe Walsh and other people that had very recorded cool. there. Okay. And I got acquainted with uh, the guy that was the, the studio manager and who later became the owner as well, uh, Terry Jameson. And I worked uh, on call for him playing on custom records and stuff. That's how I kind of cut my teeth and learned to play in the studio okay. was, was working there. Mm -hmm. And also at that time, there was a um, – in Springfield, Illinois, there was a country music show house, kind of a Branson-style thing uh, in Petersburg. Uh, Illinois, just outside of Springfield, uh -huh. and uh, I ended up uh, playing in a house band there for a couple of years. And uh, it, you know, they opened. It was it was a great local band that opened for a bunch of national acts that were there every Friday and Saturday night. The thing was always sold out. Uh -huh. So you know, you just kind of you kind of grew uh, learning to play live, and it was always live on the radio and stuff. So it was, you know, it was very fun thing and great bunch of folks and right. and. Uh, but um, what happened I, from there, I uh, went to Lincoln, Illinois one night to hear the Imperials. Okay, yeah, yeah. And this is how I ended up moving to Nashville. I'm, okay. I'm kind of one of the fortunate people that actually had a gig waiting for me when I when I got here because I mm -hmm. went saw those guys that night. And and at halftime, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, this keyboard player Larry Hall, who's uh -huh. who actually is a he works here at your travels around Millsap and does a lot of session stuffs here cool. now. And, uh, and Larry told me, he said, Hey, you know, you might want to talk to these guys. They're guitar players leaving. Huh. And, uh, so I kind of hung around afterwards and, uh, when, when, uh, and, uh, approached, uh, Armin Morales, yep. the, uh, group owner at the time. And, and I still, I said, uh, so I hear you guys are looking for guitar players. <laughs> well, you play guitar, you know, <laughs> I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. And I said, guitar. And I actually had been doing a lot of bass work as well. And, oh yeah. Okay. And so that night, uh, as it turns out, um, 
I auditioned. They actually auditioned me on uh, guitar and bass both because oh, wow. James okay. James Hollihan, who was playing bass at the time, yeah, couldn't decide if he wanted to play guitar, move over to guitar, or stay on bass. Uh-huh. And so I auditioned on both. <laughs> wow. They hired me. And for two weeks before I moved to Nashville, I didn't know what I what I was going to be playing with these guys, <laughs> playing bass or guitar. So I was just kind of on standby mode. Yeah. And then what ended up happening, James actually moved over to guitar. Okay. And uh, then I started touring with the Imperials playing bass. Playing and bass. I did that okay. for the first two, two and a half years. Oh, man. And, okay. and then when uh, the days of when Rust Half was with the group yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, so then when Russ left, he and James were great friends, James Hollingham, the guitar player, and James left with him, then I moved over to guitar at that point. So okay. yeah. who played bass then when when James left? Uh there was a couple of different guys. Uh Jimmy Lee Slows okay. played for a while. Yeah, yeah. Did Jackie and come then, in at that point? And then Jackie came in after him, Jackie okay. Street. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And I didn't know this until the other day. I saw a video of uh, that that uh, Tom Reeves had put up the other day. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, Tim Akers was in it. Um, yeah, I didn't know Tim that, played after I, I had see, left. I didn't the group, know that yeah. Tim Akers was ever in the Imperials. I, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been a, there's been quite a swarm of guys <laughs> <laughs> go go through that group through the yeah. years. <laughs> so you were with them how long? I played with those guys about four and a half years maybe so okay like that, I believe, so so then after that was the uh amy stint then, right? yeah, yeah that's yeah. yeah that's when i got a call to go tour with her so okay. that's <clears throat> and then a funny thing about that was when <clears throat> i got this call from mike blatton her then manager uh-huh. and he said hey you know we we want you to come out and we're gonna put this tour together with amy and love you come out and play guitar so and i thought well great so then i get a call a little bit later says you know what we're rethinking this Okay. Uh, there's another guitar player, Jerry McPherson, Jerry, who's in yeah, Houston. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, Gary Chapman went down to see him, and he, he he would love to have him play guitar. We want to move you over to play bass. bass. He's got <laughs> back on bass. <laughs> so now I'm back to bass. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. But then uh, later on in the tour, uh, the first tour I did, I mainly played bass. Then the second tour I did with her. Uh, the unguarded, unguarded tour. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, Gary ended up. He decided he wanted to play bass, and I ended up just moving totally to guitar at that okay. point. So, okay, yeah. yeah. Jerry and I did all the guitars together. Then. I remember that's, <laughs> yeah, that's when I really found out about <laughs> you was on the unguarded tour. So that's yeah. So during this yeah. time, also, uh, what kind of session work were you doing, or were you doing session work that much when you're playing with them? Well, you know, when I was with the Imperials, I started getting calls for. For things here and there, you know, mainly demo stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and then, uh, but uh, in between tours of uh, the straight ahead tour with Amy and the unguarded tour, we had about a year off. Okay. Okay. So I kind of really hit the ground hard and, uh, and, you know, made some contacts and ended up started doing a lot of session work during that period of time. So I started doing, you know, more mainstream records for pe- people and, uh, so uh, I went back out and finished. Uh, well, I went, well, as I finished, I did the unguarded tour, and and uh, I was doing dates in between road dates with Amy, and and so it, as it all turns out, after that unguarded tour, I just stayed in town just to yeah. do sessions full time. So. Yeah. 
Now, during uh, how did that translate from playing live so much and then getting in the studio? Did you find it easier or harder or just different altogether? Well, you know what? There's it's different and it is can be harder. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> for the simple fact that uh, you know when you're when you're sitting there with a chart in front of you and someone's counting on you to interpret you know, that, uh, was something really good, really quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, can, it can be, it can be a little more challenging, but that was what I wanted to do ever since I was a kid was to be that guitar player that played on records. Yeah. I yeah. so admired so many people that, uh, that did that for a living. And, uh, I, uh, was, um, uh, very fortunate, you know, to, to be able to get into that and and uh, play on the projects I have over the years and stuff. So, yeah. Who were some of the, uh, kind of jumping back just a little bit, who were some of the session players that you listened to that, that influenced you? Well, you know, uh, oddly enough, here again, even when I was a young kid and when I, I would listen to some country radio and I would hear this great thick guitar tone yeah, on country yeah, records. Yeah. And, uh, it was, uh, it was the, um, famous, uh, Grady Martin, you know, oh, yeah. I, okay. I, I love that kind of tone that he had mm -hmm. and, and, uh, was very much influenced by what he did as well, you know? And, uh, but, um, you know, later on it became guys who I'm friends with a lot of these guys and I guess like Larry Carlton, you sure. know, and oh, yeah. Jay Grady, Jay Graydon, and yeah. Steve yeah. Lukather, cats, cats like wow. that, I, yeah. you know. I love, love their playing and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, as far as the, then once, once you were settling down into town and as far as just say, you, you just decided, okay, I'm going to play the studio thing now and do that. Uh, cause I know you've, you've since kind of off and on, you've gone out for short stints with people and <clears> done, done mm -hmm. things. Sure. So I, I guess I would, I would think once you've been on the road, uh, it's hard to just totally kind of give it up and say, I'm not going to do it anymore ever. And especially if the right thing comes along, I mean, you know, uh, I would, is that pretty, pretty fair to say? Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, I mean, we all as musicians, we love to play live, oh, yeah. you know, it's yeah. just, you know, it's just that instant gratification you get from people, you know, right. that yeah. they, when they're digging your stuff and you hope, hope they're digging your stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Yep. So, but I, you know, I remember, um, a few years back, um, especially, you know, through the mid part of the eighties, all up into the nineties and stuff, you know, just was constantly working the studio thing all the time. And, and, uh, one day, um, <clears throat> this friend of mine, I had a little small club down in Franklin, Tennessee. He was having, you know, little jazz groups come in and stuff. He says, Hey, why don't you put something together and come in and play, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I, if I didn't know how much work it was going to be, probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. yeah. So I committed to it. And, <clears throat> but you know, that when I got up and played that night again, just playing what I wanted to play and being me, sure. Sure. Yeah. It, man, there was a switch that flipped and I'm like, Oh yeah. I, I remember this. This is why I got into music. Uh -huh, this is yeah. it right uh -huh, here. Uh -huh. You know, I got, I got that buzz I got when I was 15 years old playing in a garage band. Absolutely. Sure. Oh, yeah. And it was, it became real to me again. So I've always, since that period of time, I've always tried to maintain some, some kind of live playing, 
you know, here in, in Nashville, if, even if I'm not touring with somebody, I'd, you know, I'd get around and play some clubs and stuff with some groups and it's always fun and challenging, well, you know? And, I'll ask the question that, and, and I think I, hmm. I already know the answer to this because I, I live this a lot, but do you ever get to the point or that, okay, it's, it's a job. It's you're, you're going into the office. I know one time I was talking to John Smoltz about baseball and uh-huh. he said, you know what? He said, man, when I step on the diamond, he said, you know, that's, it's a job. I'm, I'm going to the office. Yeah. And yeah. do you, but, and, and, and I asked him the follow up. I said, well, how do you then help yourself to find that love of it? Just like little league again, you know, how do you, yeah, so yeah. I would ask you the same question. Is it, is it sometimes just, man, it's a job, you know? Well, there is times, but the thing I always remind myself, and well, I don't even have to remind myself. It's just that I love my job. So. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It so, shows. So yeah. that's, you know, there's times that it can be very challenging, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's that description of the uh, studio musician. Uh, it says you spent, uh, you spent about 95% of the time playing uh, way below your uh, level of capability. And then you spend the other 5% uh playing in total terror <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's about right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. you know i know so, oh, i'm sorry go ahead no no no. so so i have had some terror moments <laughs> yeah oh yeah i think we all have <laughs> yeah that's one thing i've I, you know anytime i've seen you uh you're always smiling and I, I really appreciate you know you can tell that you really enjoy what you're doing well you know i guess it just yeah um <laughs> It just comes out. I can't. I can't hide it. Yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, man. So, all right. So then, guitar playing, studio. Then you turn to producing. Mm-hmm. So, and I think you know. Therefore, again, I mean, as so many of the the people that you and I know, I mean, and we all know, they they've done this and they've kind of gone to that. I think it's just a it's a natural progression because mm-hmm. you you when you take a creative person. And you put them in that that place, in that place of creativity. You've got to have that that outlet sometimes to not just play that one instrument, but to drive the whole process. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of my at this point in my life. That's one of my favorite things to do. Sure. Yeah. Is to take something and just you know sculpt it from the ground up. You exactly. Know? So, yeah. Nice. So. Yeah. And I, you know, that's pretty much what I do most every day. You know, I'm just, uh, aside from playing guitar and, and, uh, on sessions for other people, I, Mm -hmm. I do a lot of programming work and, you know, producing tracks and, and for a lot of indie projects and that kind of thing. So, yeah. And also writing, uh, you do a good bit of writing. I have through the years. I don't write as much as I used to, Uh but, uh, just, you know, it's just when I'm, here programming and and overdubbing stuff all the time it just kind of cuts into to writing time for sure yeah, but yeah. Uh, and i've just kind of uh just let my daughter take off with that she's done quite well <laughs> uh, she's done okay <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. done great yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah and, and there again you know that's that's something i wanted to touch on too because man i mean did you ever think when she was growing up and your kids were growing up and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I was telling Ryan the other day, I know Vanessa, when I remember when she was a little kid and I would call your house and she'd like play tricks and hang up on me and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> 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 so, but yeah, we, but we definitely you, had had those conversations. Oh, about, Do not be answering the phone. Daddy the, needs the word. The, <laughs> <laughs> but when, 
when when Natalie was coming along though, and and did you see her as that writer when she was a kid, or did was it something that happened a little bit later? You know, I kind of recognized it early on. I, when she was about nine years old, I saw this poem that she had written. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's that's just unbelievable that's for a cool. nine year old to write something like that. You know, that's and cool. uh, and it and it was worded as such that it just, you know, just instantly grabbed your heart, you know? Right, and, right. And so. yeah. Well, you know, as, as a parent, uh, a, a musician that who is a, a parent of someone who is blooming it musically or, or writing or whatever, I think too, because both my kids are very musical and, yeah, and I think, you know, their, their mom, she's always, you know, she's, she's so sweet and everything. And, and it's kind of like, okay, she's going to really kind of lift them up and stuff. You know, I, I tell them when it sucks. You know, I mean, I, I, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, okay, you know, that, that didn't quite make it, you know, and you need to try yeah. that again, you know. But, yeah. but I think you, and I really feel like as in a positive way, you owe that to your kids because if you don't direct mm-hmm. them, somebody else will in sure. not so loving way. And right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And even uh, when we were working together back in the day, Mark, yeah. you were gracious enough to tell me when my tone sucked. Well, and that was great. No, it was one of the best things ever. You know, it really was. I was always comparing it to Tom's tone is what I was doing. So yeah. And, no, no. Um, when I was 18, Tom, I, uh, you know, you were doing a session of Mark's and I came in and it just blew me away. It was just, I wanted you to know just you, what influence you had yeah, on me. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much. My gosh. All yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> it was just great. And you had that Zion that you were playing oh, yeah. at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you still yeah. have the Zion? Do you? I, you know, unfortunately, I don't have that guitar now. So, but uh, it was a great guitar at the yeah, time a, for sure. It was a so. beauty. Man, you, that was, when I first started working with you, that was like so much of your sound as far as how, that, you know, the whole go to kind of, because uh-huh. it, it would yeah. cover a lot of ground. And, right. And I, and I remember yeah. just thinking, wow, I'd like to have one of those one day. And, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's so cool because, and, but your, your sound though, was totally unmistakable to me. And I can remember when I started producing and I started really getting paid to produce and had actual budgets, um, and uh, which I think we're kind of going back in the other direction a little bit now. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I can remember, though, picking musicians um, for, for my first projects and I'm going, okay, I got Mark Hammond on the drums, I got Craig Nelson on the bass, I got, and, and, and I've, got, I've got three or four of the <clears throat> keyboard players that I could use. But there's no other guitar player that I want to use. And, oh and, man! And, You're too and good. so, well, I mean, but I'm but I'm serious though, because because it was all about the the texture and the and mm-hmm. the 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 um almost the three dimensional kind of deal that you had going with the sound. And mm-hmm. and I just I dug that. I mean, and I still do to this day. Well, thanks, yeah. man. Very cool. Right. Well, thank you so much. I'm I'm very flattered. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, uh, just to touch on the Zion, I did buy one of those in 2005. Yes, you did. I did. Oh, did you? Yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah, I kept it for a season, um, <laughs> but the, I could never get the Floyd Rose to kind of settle down on me. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know I, that probably the only reason I got I love the sound of that guitar. Sure. It played oh, yeah. great. And, uh, I just kind of got away from the f- whole Floyd Rose thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. And. Yeah. Uh, and that, that when I started playing it less and less, it just any guitar that I picked up with a Floyd Rose on it, it just kind of bothered me the way my hand positioned yeah. over the yeah. strings and stuff. So that was the only reason I really got rid of that guitar. Huh. But so, yeah. so let me ask you: over the last, you know, ten, fifteen years, how has, you know, how has the industry really changed? What are some of the things that you've seen, and uh, can you forecast maybe 
the direction of uh, the industry? Well, boy, it's uh, it, it boy, it certainly has changed. A lot of it has changed, uh, and I can't say business-wise it's for the better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'll, you know, I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, but <laughs> you know, but um, you know, here's some interesting uh, stats and that I've known for a while, and and back in 1999, there was actually 26 billion dollars generated in retail sales in the music business. Mm-hmm. Ten years later. Oh, in 09, which has been almost 10 years ago mm-hmm. uh, from now, uh, coming up on it, uh, it there was actually, um, uh, it was half that. It was $13 billion. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. From, in 10 years, that's how much the music industry had dropped in sales. <laughs> uh, a lot of that, just due to technology yeah. that caught up with us. And, and uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And uh, a, a lot of people don't like me talking about it, but I I'm no fan of streaming services like Pandora and Spotify. Sure, yeah, sure. Though it's it's headed that direction totally, and I you know I'm I'm gonna have to cave in one of these days when there's nothing else to do but do that. Yeah. But I I'm I'm a I'm a man that does not have Pandora or Spotify on mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, sure. yeah. And uh, I mean I'm sorry, but these people have just about wrecked people's lives. Yeah, with the uh, with the less amount of pay that that uh, has evolved in the music industry, and and they're very much responsible for it. You know, yeah, as a songwriter, you know, yeah, as a songwriter, I, yeah. I see that a lot too. You know, with the when I get the reports from Spotify, especially, it's like, yeah. you know, you 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 have 150 thousand plays or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. on a, on a single, and you get fourteen dollars. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, this that's ridiculous. Oh, I know. Well, I saw a. Um, and I will not mention the name of this person, but sure. I saw sure. showed me a quarterly statement one time. This is about three years ago. Uh, what Spotify had paid on a song they had that had uh, five million spins for mm-hmm. a quarter, mm-hmm. and they made sixty eight dollars. So, yeah, oh, sure, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, that's just it's just absolutely robbery. Yeah, and uh, uh, and I, as I understand, you know, they have this new. Uh, uh, music uh, act in place now. I haven't seen or heard what all that entails yet, but supposedly this is supposed to be a, a better deal than that's what I've heard. Yeah, for everyone. But but sure. I've, I've yet to see right. yeah, what details. that is. And, yeah. and uh, but you know the other thing too, uh, technology. I mean, has kind of hurt the industry as far as dishonesty. I mean, it's, it's just it's made dishonest people. Uh, it's a lot easier for, for somebody to pirate stuff. Oh, sure, getting, sure. Absolutely. Getting the point. Yep. You know, I mean, you know, even with, with records and CDs and tapes from years ago, there was always pirating, but it was a lot more effort and a lot more yeah. costly yeah. to do so. Yeah. I mean, it took some time and effort to duplicate things mm-hmm. to sell. That's right. But, you know, these days, you know, a kid's got a file on his computer and, said, and maybe, he's, maybe he's purchases through iTunes or whatever, and mm-hmm. he says, Hey, you know, I think I'll just send this to 150 friends, you know, bam, you know, yeah, just like just that, like, you can yeah. do it, you know? Sure, so, yeah, sure. well, let me, so the pirating thing is just ridiculously uh, bad for everybody. So sure. let me ask you this, Tom, um, somewhere right now, there's probably, well, there definitely is a little boy or girl who's woodshedding just like you did and has dreams and aspirations just like you did. What would you tell them? Well, 
I would say this, you know, if you love it, then you're going to do it and, and you should do it uh, regardless of what the situation may be, you know, financially, whatever. I mean, if it's just in you and you have to do it, well, I totally get it. Hmm. Um, but, you know, unfortunately it's just, uh, I just don't think there is a living to be made like there once was in the music business. Hmm. And um, it, it's, if you want to do it these in this day and age, I would recommend get a degree and, and at least be able to fall back in a, in a teaching situation or something. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just, the pie has become from, has gone from big slices of the pie to very small slivers of the pie, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, everybody's got projects out and everybody's, you know, hustling, trying to, uh, get the same thing going. Um, but I can tell you from, from on a personal level for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. where it's really affected me more, more so than, uh, an artist per se mm-hmm. is that in the studio world, when things were selling well, you know, when back when it was nothing for a record company to have an artist to sell anywhere from 2 million to 10 million to maybe 20 million records, mm-hmm records companies were making money which enabled them to try things and uh maybe develop artists and so that kept guys like myself busy yeah yeah you know you plan on a lot of projects all the time here's a new artist we're going to try we're going to cut we're going to cut 20 songs on them you know and uh which is unheard of these days nobody overcuts you know yeah we're going to cut 20 songs for a 10 song record. Well, that just don't happen anymore. Yeah. And, and besides that, just developing something, it just doesn't happen much. Sure, so, sure. and everybody's got a home studio. So everybody's trying to do it at home and right. that type of thing. So it's really, uh, it has really cut into the work of the studio musician, you know, yeah. um, but it's here and you, you adapt or die. So that's what I'm doing. I'm adapting. <laughs> so, gotcha. so that's why I'm programming tracks and overdubbing and, you know, producing yeah. and yeah. trying to do all the above, you know, so diversification so, really is, <clears throat> should be encouraged to those coming up today. Is I'm that, sorry. What'd you say? Once again, well, I was just saying diversification. So like oh, yeah. multiple yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, and I kind of learned that early on. When I first moved to Nashville, I remember it was just within the first few months, I was hanging out in the studio one day and I was talking to uh, this producer and he just, and he told me, advised me early on. He said, you know, if you want to stay in, in this business, you get it, you get an iron in every fire. Yep. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's good advice. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, now, as far as the, I, I have to touch on this. Now you've got, how many, how many bands are you doing right now? I know Eagle Maniacs and... <laughs> Yeah, uh, there. Yeah, there's there's a few. It, you know, it's funny. All the tribute band things have yes. come on so strong. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. And and I think what is made it such a great thing here in Nashville is due to the fact that guys aren't just working around the clock in the studio like they used to. Yeah. It's it's enabled uh, uh, players to get out and do some of these things for fun. Sure. So now, yeah, there's some there's some unbelievable. Uh, talent in some of these cover bands around town here, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so which has resulted in all these uh tribute bands. And uh, yeah, I play in a there's a Steely Dan tribute band that I, I play yeah, in, that's what I thought, yeah. and 12 Against Nature's name of it. And okay. then uh, the same guy that does that does also does uh, Make Me Smile, which is a Chicago tribute thing, which okay. they 
to do like the early Chicago stuff. Okay. And, and uh, then I play in this group, the smoking section, which yep. is Tim Anchor's group, yep. you know, yep. it's like a 15 piece horn band. It's all earth, wind and fire. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Shocker con and tower power, that kind of stuff. Oh, you yeah. know, and so, uh, which is a fun band has a huge draw and then then my brother and i do because my brother does this great don henley sounding yeah, thing he does. so we we do do the eagle maniacs and that is a huge draw for us so yeah yeah, yeah so that's uh people love eagles music i, I found out oh, man. oh <laughs> it's totally. fantastic I, I love it when when like your videos come up i'm like okay i gotta stop and watch this i don't care what yep. i'm doing I, <laughs> yeah i'm guilty i'll yeah. watch <laughs> so um and what about what about player a What's up with that? That's well, player A is kind of a you know with uh, Eric Copeland. It's kind of an ongoing thing, and it, we just every once in a great while we'll we'll you know cut some things. It'll it's likely to be things to be passed around. Everybody kind of contributes, you know, their sure. parts and stuff, sure. you know, and and uh, so uh, Eric's uh, he has such a heart for um, for the instrumental thing and. Uh, he just he, he works really hard just trying to keep that kind of thing going. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, that's that's awesome, man. What, um, what does Tom Hemby do for fun, apart from music? Well, Tom Hemby watched Cardinal baseball. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's what he do. <laughs> I have become an absolute baseball fanatic through the years. I yeah. So. I love it. <laughs> But since having grown up in Missouri and and being a Cardinals fan since I was in the second grade, you know, it's just like I'm. I, I, as a matter of fact, as I, I have to confess, as I'm doing this interview on, on the phone, I'm sitting here Are watching you, the Cardinals uh, beat okay. Pittsburgh three to nothing. Okay. All right, <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that. No. <laughs> now you pull you pulled Omar into it too, right? I mean, he's he's you guys. Yes, to, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. he he is he's always been a huge baseball okay. fan. Okay. But, but I can't believe it. I've actually converted him to being a Cardinals fan instead of a Cubs fan, which oh, is just man. unheard of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I took him to a few Cardinals games. I, you know, through the years, uh, long story short, mm-hmm. and through a series of circumstances, I became friends with Tony LaRusso. He used to be the Cardinals manager oh, yeah. and, oh, yeah. and okay. went to games up there for years, you know, through Tony. And, and um, there were many times I was, yeah, I remember years ago, uh, I would go early and we'd have me come out on the field and at batting practice. And I would sit there leaning on a batting cage, watching Mark McGuire hit those wow. balls like oh, second oh, or third oh, tier, oh, seven or eight in a row, you know? Yeah. So <clears throat> when I, you know, started pulling Omar up to those, those games, he, he quickly converted. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to talk to him about being on here too. We want to, we want to get him on. So, um, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, man, I mean, I'm telling you, this is, um, this is a pleasure just having you on and being able to just to, of course, you know, like I said earlier, we go way back and we've had these many conversations around dinner tables and other, I was thinking today, I thought, you know, you remember that time we were working on that Joel Goddard record and we were, we were, we were laying down guitars about probably eight or nine o'clock at night and there was nobody but you and me at the studio. We had a rider uh-huh. truck out there and we decided to go to red lobster so we just took the rider truck and we just went to red lobster exactly <laughs> so man i'm telling you uh, if if there's one thing i loved about my session career it was about hanging out with people like you and all the people i got to work with because oh. what you actually live for every day was 
to go eat and hang out. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you're right. You know? You're right. That's it's true. like That's you true. come in. Hey, all right, we're going to so we're going to cut three or four yep. teas this morning. Uh, where are we going to go yep. eat for lunch? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> that was always the highlight of everything. Yeah, right. You're, you're right. Go to lunch or, or go out to eat for dinner or you're something. Right so, about yeah. that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I always enjoyed it when you would come down and and work here because we would just have those seemingly nonstop days, but yet we just had a lot of fun just hanging out too. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, that's where the three uh, studio words developed from: uh, the scut, squeet, scum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. That's it. Tom, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. It sure has. Absolutely, thank you, fellas. I, I it's yeah, I've had a blast here. So awesome, awesome. When you're up this way, please give me a shout. We'll do it sooner, than, sooner than you think. Awesome. Have a good night. Right. Thank you, buddy. All right. Talk All right. to you guys later. Okay. Thanks. Right. See you. Man, that was incredible. I tell you, I, I can't believe just, you know, all the things that he's been involved in. And, and he's been a great friend for a long time. And him coming on the show with us today, that was awesome. Such an awesome guy. Just, uh, you know, all the knowledge, his, his experience. Um and just an all-around good. You can just tell he loves what he does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, you know, it's it's obvious to to anybody who's talked to him or spent five minutes around him or seen him anywhere too. Just like you were talking about. You know, when you see him play, he's yeah, always, he's always, always smiling. smiling. You know, and, always smiling. And so, I mean, he he does love it. So, guys, check out um, if you're able ever able to uh, go see any of those groups he's in, the Eagle Maniacs. Um, help me with the other names, Mark. What were some of the? Um, let's see. What was it? Um, Twelve Strong. Is that the the? Um, let's see. Steely Dan cover band. What was that called? Twelve Against Nature. Twelve Against Nature. That, that's something. About, yeah. yeah 12, any of yeah. those? Just fantastic musicians in all of those yeah. groups. Uh, Player A. Now Player, Player A. Is, A. Player A is new to me. I didn't really know about that until just recently. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, more great stuff. Yeah. So guys, uh, thanks thanks again for just tuning in, letting us chat and just uh, it's just such a cool thing to be able to do this yeah, with mark we, yeah, this we really appreciate it um info at the mix bus podcast.com email us uh contact us let us know your thoughts and uh any questions that you may have and yeah otherwise we'll see you next time hey and also thanks again tanya for listening keep listening oh yes tanya we love you